Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can buy guitar stuff at westminstereffects.com. Make sure you join the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Uh, in person, I'm joined by... This is Bradley Cox, enduring the least favorite part of the podcast for me where I have to introduce myself from Greer, South Carolina, pastor at Resurrection Church. <laughs> that didn't go as poorly as it could have. <laughs> we, we are joined via the internet by... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, and ketogenic diet follower from Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, you hopped on the keto fan, I hopped huh? on that that greasy, meaty keto train. And honestly, so I'm like five, I'm five days in, right? So like, I'm sure there's people out there who's like, you're not really in ketosis yet. I feel great. Like, like I feel legitimately real good. Um, hmm. Yeah, how about Like it? the brain fog's gone, no afternoon fatigue. Um like I, I don't crave snacks. Like, you know what? I'm sold, and like I'm not. It doesn't feel like I'm eating unhealthy either. It also doesn't feel like I'm eating just a pile of lettuce every day. Um, but you know, it's really surprising. You know, like where you can find carbs, and carbs aren't bad. You just need you need to limit them to let you know let your internal machinery uh, do the right stuff. But um, yeah, I was surprised, like broccoli, you know, but I, that fiber is by nature a carb because it's carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah how about I, it? How it's about like, it? it's like I'm in the middle of a magic school bus episode and, uh, seatbelts, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so do I, you have a, do you have a particular goal or are you just uh, seeing become, what happens? To become less of, of me. You know, uh, in, in in the words in the words of Saint Paul, he must increase, I must decrease, and uh, you know, uh, r- right Actually, now, that was John the Baptist was that ahead. was the, oh, that's right, that's right. See, and this this is why we have Bradley on the on the show. That and of course that locks into that locks into place there. Uh, Note note that he was not John the Pato Baptist. Well, he was just the regular old Baptist. He could have been John the Chunky Baptist, though. I mean, I mean, eating all that honey. Not wrong. Eating all that honey. That wasn't low carb. <laughs> he could have. The he, locusts he, were though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of fiber in the locust though. He's probably regular. <laughs> now, anyways, uh, apparently, my poor New Testamental knowledge aside. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, um, I've gone through, uh, you know, various attempts, um, some successful, some not to, uh, uh, to just live a healthier lifestyle, reduce, uh, uh, reduce the amount of, uh, of space I take up. I mean, like for those listeners who <laughs> don't see me, I'm not like, like, I'm not like morbidly, uh, anything, um, but uh, but I'm six foot five and I'm you know like three thirty three something pounds. I mean like I'm a big fella, and uh, I would like to be a little less of a big fella. I'd like to be like a moderately mm. big fella instead of a holy crap. There's who's that? Um, what's your what's your ideal weight at six five? Six like so if you if you ask a doctor it's like I don't know five pounds or something. But um, mine would be two seventy five. <laughs> For for me personally, two seventy five. For with yeah. with my bone structure, um, like I don't because I yeah because you're you're a broad dude too. Yeah yeah you know I I don't want to I don't want to end up looking like uh, um you know like if you draw a picture of of like a person like a stick figure but instead of putting the arms down like in a triangle you like put them in a square like I don't want to be that guy just walking around like <laughs> yeah. like some massive uh, Hulk brother. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 275, uh, I was there, um, that, 
so I I was bigger than this in high school. Like mm-hmm. I just, and I I've got some I've got thyroid issues like real bad ones, and that that have you know mm-hmm. added into some of this. But um, mm-hmm. in uh, in high school, after I was diagnosed with my thyroid disorder and was being treated for it. I like shaved 60 pounds in the summer and got down to like 265, 275. And uh, not that I'm trying to return to, to my high school, early college uh, uh, waiter physique because it wasn't anything special. Um, you know, I just want to be a better steward of, uh, of mm-hmm. the wondrous, glamorously adorned temple that I am. <laughs> Copyright yeah. sexy boat captain humble. 2020. <clears throat> humble too. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. It gets to how old are you, John? 34? Yeah. Yeah, you need to get on that train now because it after 35, like what prior to 35, I could drop or gain 15, 20 pounds mm-hmm. just by thinking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm 6'2", and I think my ideal weight would probably be somewhere around 200, 205, maybe. Sure. Um, but I'm 225 now, probably. Mm-hmm. 220, 225. So I'm not a small human being either. But it's a, it's so hard at 43 to drop that weight. I mean, I exercise right, yeah, pretty right. regularly. You know, I play tennis. I work out. I run. I do all these things. Hike. But... Man, if you don't change that diet, especially yeah, after happen, yeah. especially after thirty five, it just does not work. You know, absolutely. And and you know, the whole thing with the, the thyroid disorder is that carbs like don't really do it for me anyways. Like if I eat mm-hmm. carbs, it's I mean, it's going to get the bare minimum energy out of that and the rest is just going to be be stored in the saddlebags, uh, as it were. Yeah. And uh you know, uh, one thing I noticed, you know, this whole like kind of work from home, stay at home as much as you can thing is that like, you know, the whole self care uh, piece has has lowered a bit, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to make uh, uh, to make strides in the right direction, and uh, and plus, like if I'm my stature, which I mean I will be, that doesn't really change, but and uh, and my weight at like sixty, I'm going to be a weird looking guy. Like, <laughs> like, I already sometimes feel like a moose. Not like because like moose have like really tiny little legs. And like I feel like Gru, Gru from Despicable Me. That's how I feel. I actually went. I actually went as Gru one year for Halloween and nailed it. By the way, even though I don't like Halloween, my, my son was a was a, a minion and I nailed the Gru thing. So, uh, yeah. I, I have no transition. I have no segue into the proper topic today, but we'll just pretend like I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Insert genius segue well, by Cody Fields. So know, Brad, the, Bradley's least favorite part is the introductions. My yeah. least favorite part is the segue and Wait, ending let, the show. I don't let, know how to let, do that. Let me just spell it out how this is going to happen. So right about here... Uh, is uh, is going to be the bumper music uh, that takes us out of the uh, um, out of the banter and into the main topic. And it's going to end right about now. Oh, okay. Well, our our primary topic. I can't even say introduce it right today. Oh my How goodness! I'm I just, just on helped a roll you of- immensely. I know. And, uh, do I need to play? Do I, I need to play the music again? I, uh, <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I blew it like Bradley blows the intro every week. So. <laughs> <laughs> true that. Uh, true that. <laughs> so uh, on this week's Inquisition post, Hayden Aiken asked a very interesting question that will turn into a uh, into a discussion of the topic at large in general, uh, if you will. Uh, he said, what should a Christian do with their first 10% of their income while in between church homes, uh, assuming that said believer had a legitimate reason for leaving his first church, of course. He said, should I storehouse it? Should I give it to another church or outreach project in the interim? Or should I store it up and give the entire tithe backlog or I guess he said, should they, he's not saying him, sorry, or should that believer just store it up and give the entire backlog once they join a new church family officially? 
so that kind of gets into. Uh, I mean, do you want us to uh, answer as, as a representative of the new general. church family? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that 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 new church family would not complain. No, <laughs> uh, but I I think it kind of gets into uh, you know the tithe and giving offerings. Yeah generosity all of that kind of in general um and and even we could get into you know what are some abuses that we've seen regarding money in the church sure uh, and maybe that inspired a pedal of mine mm. <laughs> maybe so so that seeds, <laughs> brother fields yeah yes so uh that said uh well i guess we could start with the pastor here mm. uh what is what's our stance here at resurrection church in greer well, you know, I think you got to start, you know, and I, I don't assume that, what's his name, Hayden? Yes. Um, Hayden thinks this way, but just, you know, to kind of lay the foundation, you know, tithing is an Old Testament law. It's not a New Testament command. Right. Uh, there is a, a verse uh, where Jesus seems to endorse the tithe. Uh, Paul also seems to affirm it, but um, there, there's nowhere in the New Testament that makes tithing 10% a law for the Christian. It's a Christian freedom. It's not a, it's not an obligation or a duty. So I think that's the first thing to and, say. And you're not sure. doing away <laughs> with the moral law. At no, no, all. no, 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 so, no, no, Some people, some people would hear that and hear kind of make that yeah, connection. No, but we're no, not you're saying talking, that. You're talking specifically about the, uh, uh, really the, uh, the food stores, uh, for the old Testament, uh, Levite tribe, uh, that people would would take their resources and they would put them in the storehouse uh, so that yep. uh, the Levites could could eat. I mean that that really. Right. I mean the, the the tithe for Israel was really a part of their tax system. Yeah, right. You know, I mean they they we our our American tax system is really patterned after uh, what amounted to about twenty two to. T- 20 to 22 percent of harvest that an individual Israelite got was given to the temple because that was where everything was legislated from. Um, and a part of that was what was called the tithe or 10 percent. Mm-hmm. So um, you can't hijack Malachi and and make this blanket promise that, you know, I'll rebuke the devourer. You'll you'll mm-hmm. you know, if you give your tithe, you're going to it's going to always go well for you, although. Paul does seem to affirm that generous giving does result in some form of blessing. There is an addition by subtraction New Testament principle. So that being said, I think that uh, the New Testament does affirm systematic percentage giving. Um, When Paul wrote to the Corinthians and was sort of preparing them for his arrival where he was going to collect their portion of the offering that was being raised for the suffering Christians in Jerusalem, uh, he told them, he said, Take take on take an amount, you know. Uh, Each one should decide what to give, set it aside, because I don't want any collecting when I come. Yeah. In other words, he didn't want them to just start digging in their pockets and, uh, you know, sort of flippantly and, 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 yeah. you know, run into the quarter and the pocket lint that they have. That's right. He wanted them to set it aside. So you hear I'm that Kenneth hate. Copeland quit digging yeah. from the people of God. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I would affirm Hayden setting aside if he's between churches, setting aside what he would normally give and being prayerful about that. Um, during this period of time where he doesn't have a local church. I think mm-hmm. giving to a local church that you're a part of is also affirmed in Acts. You know, they shared their resources, they sold their lands, laid the money at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to those who had needs. So the needs of the church in both physical and discipleship needs are met through the generous giving, tithing including included of the saints. So I, th- I, w- I would say to start is set it aside um, and be prayerful in this interim time as you, you know, look for a new church to land in and then give it. Um, but it, that's not to say that God couldn't lead him to give it in some other way in this no, interim absolutely. time too. Maybe, right. maybe there yeah, is a ministry opportunity like, or an outreach opportunity that he, that he mentioned, um, you know, uh, and, and perhaps this, uh, this uh, inter-congregational time is uh is being used um, for 
the potential of, of collecting uh, what a person would normally give in order to bless an organization <coughs> like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, you know, we, we should, of course, pray uh, to seek alignment of our will with, uh, with God's. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really a, a wrong answer uh, other than just like pretending like giving isn't a thing <laughs> while you're between churches, right? Yeah. Uh, we, should, we should look to be uh, generous all the time, regardless mm-hmm. of, of whether, whether our church just dissolved under, <laughs> underneath us or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, the, those end up being good works regardless of where, where that money goes, right? Right. Pro- provided it's a godly organization, of course. Sure. Yeah, not that, you know, not Guitar Center <clears throat> or Sweetwater. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have seen, and I know you've seen this, John. Of of there are there are some guys who will say, "Yeah, I take what I would normally do for a tithe or giving or whatever, and then I spend it on musical equipment so I can serve my church better." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, come on, man. Ain't no. no one coming to Jesus because you got a $3,000 less Paul. All right? Yeah. Like, that's that's not how this works. Yeah. And yeah, I've, it's not I've how seen any of this works. I've seen that before. I, I haven't seen it recently, but that was the exact same thought going in my head when I made that comment. And, uh, you know, I will say that, that, that not to that extent, but there is a certain mental trap that we can get ourselves into, or, or maybe just some sort of mental misjustification in that you know for those of us who spend uh, i mean and, and we're t- not, not talking uh people who are necessarily employed by the church but those of us who spend a good deal of our of our free time as it were volunteering at the church or serving on sundays in some capacity um may be inclined to feel it's like well i'm giving of my service so I don't need to mm-hmm. give of my of of my uh, of my my treasures. You know, if we're talking the the trifecta of time, talents, and treasures, um, and uh, and I've fallen in that that as well. I mean, that's that's often uh, like when my family is is fallen on on difficult financial situations. You know, that's that's almost always the first thought that I have in my mind is like, well, it's not a complete loss because you know. I'm, I'm putting in practically 30 hours a week. It's like it's like a job, and they're not paying me for it. So yeah, but you know that's not a healthy way of thinking um, because it doesn't involve it involves giving of your time. But especially if it's something that you enjoy, it doesn't always have that sacrificial piece to it. And I think that sacrificial piece uh, is something that is important uh, when we consider. Uh, when we consider giving, not necessarily being sacrificial so that we can sow that seed, as it were, and reap the benefits thereof, um, but that we can, but that sacrificial uh, mindset uh, helps us remember the source of all that of what we have and mm-hmm. returning it to the source in a way uh, to accomplish, uh, you know, God's will on earth. Um, and I think that's that's a that's the healthy mindset to, uh, healthy mindset to have, and and that gets away from the um, the tithing because that's that's a law, right? You know, it's not a law. I mean, this is this is a, an honorable uh, sacrifice that uh, that we raise up to God, an offering of what He has given to us, um, and and more often and, and more than that, it's. Uh, it's a trust, not a trust that it's an investment, like you know God is backed by Charles Schwab or something, but it's an invest. It's I don't know. It's hard. It, I'm hard. To, I'm having a hard time finding the word right now. Um, so I, maybe one of you I can think finish my thought because I think you know where I'm going. I think it's an investment of our heart and affections because you know the the old adage and time is money. It, 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 where time is money. That's not true. Time and money are not the same thing. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. He didn't talk about time as much as he talked about money. They're not the, the same thing. And insert Piper reference. Piper says that the degree to which our hand reaches out for money says a ton about the degree to which our heart reaches out for God. 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there's something about money, something about material things that has a way of either pointing us to God, drawing us to God based on how we steward it and what we do with it, or drawing us away from him and dependence on him and treasuring him by the way we depend and hoard what we have. And so I don't, I've never, I've, I've talked to, I don't know how many people over the years of pastoring that have said that very thing, John, well, I, I volunteer my time. So that's my offering. No, that it doesn't work that way because your time doesn't, it, it just doesn't capture or represent the affections of your heart the way money does. It doesn't have as dramatic effect on where your joy is placed and where, where your dependence lies. I mean, I think there's a, there's a reason God only let the Israelites collect manna for one day. Mm -hmm. And if they tried to collect for more than two, it rotted. Why is that? Because he was not going to let them go into the promised land thinking that, okay, we're going we're gonna to be able to do this now that we're not slaves. We're going to be able to do this on our own. No, it's, they're, they're God's people. Right. And I think, you know, the generous giving, worshipful giving, um, has, it, it's an important piece of our spiritual growth and maturity. Um, that and and the giving of time doesn't get us all the way there. It brings to mind the story of uh, Jesus and the rich young ruler, where you know this guy says, "Hey, what do I need to do mm-hmm. to inherit eternal life?" And he's like, "You know the commands." And he's like, "Yeah, I got that. Done that. Been there. Got the T-shirt." Yeah, right? and and so what? What Jesus' response is when he says, "Sell what you have and give to the poor." indiscriminately is not saying that's what you need to do to be saved. No. What he's doing is calling him out. And he's saying, you're, you don't even have the first commandment mm. of, of not having any gods before God. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what we kind of run into with, uh, well, I'm giving my time or I'm giving my talent or whatever. Well, it's, it, you're also, <laughs> you're, you're putting your own resourcefulness mm. above trusting God in that. Yeah. So, so what are, I guess, what's a good way to address that? Like <laughs> this, this is such a, a touchy subject, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't like to talk about how much they make uh, social taboo or what have you. Uh, people don't like to talk about that. They don't like to talk about how much they give or if they give. Mm. Uh, so how do we even bring this up in a conversation? And if somebody isn't giving, how do we encourage them to give to their local church? Well, I think there's a host of scriptures that speak to that. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, we could, we, we could, we could, you know, I've taught on giving a number of times and just really walked our church through the passages that, that advocate for giving to the local church and to the deeds of the poor and to missions. Um, and there are heart reasons for that. Yeah. And then there are ministry reasons, practical reasons for that. And right. I think that's, that's part of it. But one thing I would say to, I, I, you know, us in America, at least, you know, and we, we, we've probably all read the stats about that really put it into perspective, just how rich we are. Oh yeah. If you are just as an example, if you make $25,000 a year, you're in the top 5% in the world. Yeah. I, I didn't read, I, I, I didn't read that stat, but I, yeah. I, I'm teaching from James chapter five this week where he addresses the rich. Mm-hmm. And, um, I read a stat where it said, if you, if, if your net worth is $4,210, you're richer than half the people on the planet. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's just crazy. If, you're, if your net worth is just over 90000 you're richer than 90% of the people yep. on the planet. So yep. we're, we're that rich. And what, what's interesting to me is how hard we pray when we feel like we lack mm-hmm. and how little we pray when we have more than we need. And I really think that that should be that script should be flipped. I think when we have more than we need, we should pray more than when we feel like we lack what we need, because there's a Mm. stewardship issue there that when you, when you read the new Testament and it's just flooded with warnings 
warnings about the dangers of wealth. Money's not bad in and of itself, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, 1 Timothy 6. And our tendency to love money is so real and quick that I think when there's an abundance, we don't need to default to thinking carefree. We need to think careful. Yeah. When there's an abundance, we shouldn't default to thinking freedom. We should default to thinking restraint because the dangers of wealth and what what can happen in my heart when I have more than I need are real. And the new Testament is full of warnings. And so we, we don't, we don't give out of fear. We should give out of worship and gratitude to God, but right. yet we should recognize also, you know, again, another Piper reference. He's, he, I've heard him say many times, I don't want to be rich. Mm-hmm. You know, all the proceeds of his many, many books he gives away every year. And right. he does that. Yes, as an act of worship and gratitude to God, but it's also a protective mechanism for his soul. And he would he would he would tell you that that right. I, I do this because the dangers of wealth are real, and that that flies in the face of the likes of Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen and others, and what they teach. Right. Um, you made a really good point about being more prayerful when we have more and feel free to stop me and we can edit this out. But even at res, when the COVID thing hit, we were like, all right, let's, let's stick to the super basic fundamental stuff with Mm -hmm. our expenses, Mm -hmm. like nothing extra, you know, just in case everything craters. And, you know, we were pretty concerned about giving, staying up. Mm -hmm. Um, but giving has actually been pretty good. It's been awesome. And, uh, and so now it's like, oh yeah, we can totally go get that thing. Right. (laughs) That, that's the you know? tendency, but you yeah. know, we're, we well, actually, that, yeah, that's, that's what we could fall into easily. I'm not saying that we're doing that, but we have a, <laughs> we have a trustees meeting coming up, um, in a week from Sunday yep. and you know, Cody's on our board of trustees and w- what's on the agenda is to have some prayerful, prayerful conversation. Uh, the, the trustees at Res is our stewardship body. It's the body of leaders that are specifically tasked with the responsibility of stewardship. And um, we've got a surplus. And on the agenda is how are we going to steward that surplus? And yeah. there are there are opportunities that we're going to present that are generous opportunities, not just, not, not just, we're going to go buy this piece of equipment that we've been wanting for a while or Mm -hmm. do this or that. No, we're looking at some generous opportunities, um, as a church, um, because the Lord's blessed us with a, with an abundance. And so I just think you gotta, I think you gotta really, I don't know, the more I read the Bible, the more I think differently about, um, about resource, um, Cause you know, if I, if I, this is an illustration I got in the sermon Sunday. If I, if I gave you, or if I came to you and said, I'm going to give you $50 million, no strings attached. You're not going to default to going, Oh no, that's, (laughs) yeah, that, that's scary. And yet James says to the rich, you know, you you have you have stockpiled in the last days and it's rotting and eroding and is going to eat your flesh like fire. <laughs> and imagine that's, that's not that's nobody's favorite verse in the Bible. That, that's that is strong language. <laughs> so but you you if I gave you fifty million dollars, you're not gonna go, oh no. This this I with this wealth is gonna become is gonna come the potential for misery, rottenness, corrosion, and the eating of my flesh like fire. So and again, w- w- what we're gonna think is we're gonna think elation because oh, oh I'm gonna be able to fix all my problems. Mm-hmm. And therein lies the danger of wealth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that we we think oh this is gonna solve all my problems, and that's why the Bible says. You know, those who desire to be rich, they they fall into temptation. They fall away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. And and why does that happen? It's because it leads us away from God dependence into self-reliance. And that's why, yeah, if you go play the lottery when it hits half a billion dollars and you win, 
there ought to be a little bit of a tremble in your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because of the the temptations to sin that could arise from that, but the, you know, in terms of, you know, all manner of fleshly appetites, but just the Mm -hmm. temptation to wander away from the faith is real. And so we should be careful, not wrong to make a lot of money, but third, third Piper reference. Yeah. You have success, successful business leaders in the Bible. Absolutely. Abraham was absolutely loaded. Absolutely. That's right. You know, Piper would say it's not wrong to make a lot of money. Just be very, very, very cautious. If not, he might even say, don't keep a lot of it. Sure. You know, so giving is good. (laughs) You should do it. If you don't, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. You got any last thoughts for us, John, before we go to the Inquisition? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm uh, you know, as, as always, I'm overjoyed when, when everyone's on the same page. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, at, at the top of the show, you mentioned taking uh, Malachi out of context. And uh, that was, uh, that, I, uh, I, I, may, I may have, may, may have, called out one of our uh one of our church leaders may have been a pastor may have not have been uh in a congregational <laughs> meeting uh potentially potentially as a member of our oversight board uh for for taking uh that that particular scripture out of context um that may or may not have ended well either uh, <laughs> but um you know, it, it that that is absolutely the the most important thing because especially when uh, it is making sure that giving comes from a place of of uh, of sacrifice and and trust and uh, you know submission to the will of the Lord rather than mm. coercion. Uh, I mean, we've all heard whether it be from a, a televangelist uh, in our own congregations that in, in times of need it can be very tempting. Uh, to misuse scripture uh, to make it sound like giving is a monetary investment or uh, that uh, that we need to absolutely follow the tithe um, as as almost a matter matter of law you know it it's so vitally important uh, to uh, to be a cheerful giver as it was yeah. uh, from the heart um, because generosity is at the very heart of God. You know what we might want to start doing is every time somebody takes Malachi 3 out of context, say, hey, if you're going to do Malachi 3, we have to have Malachi 2. And that starts, oh, and now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, <laughs> the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. <laughs> Man, like. And just have know, like every- a sack of manure. say all right come on (laughs) every now and then i just wish i had like a delorean and could go back to old testamental times because like straight fire straight fire like like man if if i could witness the uh uh the altar of baal and elisha oh man yeah man that would be dope. <laughs> Maybe he's I'd sleeping. To, ah. I'd have to have one of those like big pointer finger things you put on your hand at uh, the weird number games. one phone finger, yeah, one yeah. And, yeah. A, and like a pom pom and a you know air horn <laughs> cheering him on, man. Mama that would be like, <laughs> or get on the get on the baseball organ. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. <laughs> Wait for somebody to to bust out the Hammond B three. Maybe your there God's go. taking a nap. This is the Inquisition where uh, you have, you, the listener, have the opportunity to submit a 
question or multiple questions as uh, some of you do every week um so yeah join the westminster effects doxology podcast lounge on facebook brian morris as is tradition uh, has our first question and he says this isn't pressure this is an honest question are you going to change the art on the chrysostom chorus vibrato <laughs> uh bradley have you seen the art for this thing no so it's, it's it a was case really, of really cool four months ago yeah and uh i released it about what two weeks three weeks before the whole george floyd thing happened <clears throat> oh wow yeah so for those of you who don't know just look it up on westminstereffects.com or go see westminster effects on instagram or what have you uh it features a clenched fist because john chrysostom spoke out against corrupt clergy and that's kind of a universal symbol for a long time <laughs> of resisting tyranny and stuff like that uh but it also happens to look an awful lot like the black lives matter fist Woo. um and i've i've gotten questions about it from people on both sides of the debate as well mm that's not what i'm trying to do so yes the art is going to be changed i've already spoken with ben horton and he was like yeah i was thinking about that too he's like i'll get you some ideas so uh here in the next couple weeks (laughs) we'll have art new art for the chrysostom probably a good move yeah dang it it was cool too it looks really good but you know if uh i mean i have something like that i have to have I have to have some kind of situation like once a year where I have to change my art, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, when stuff like that happens, you know, making that change is not necessarily taking a political stance or backing down from one. It's the fact that um, what that the artwork was designed to convey, you know, in the Westminster-esque tongue-in-cheek manner uh, is being overshadowed uh, by something else. And yep. Yep. you don't want that something else to overshadow uh, what uh, St. John Chrysostom did and his work yeah. and why that pedal is named that way. So, yeah. Right. So yep. I guess, you know, since Chrysostom means golden tongue, just do like the Rolling Stones tongue and then get asked to change it again later on, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Scott Hamilton What's up with how old people got in the Bible? So Methuselah, Noah, mm-hmm. etc. They lived a long time. Long yeah. time. Really long time. What's up with that? Anybody? Well, where, where's the passage that says, or God says, I'm only going to put up with man for like 120 years. Right. Um, so I, 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 there, there's some hint in the old testament that god like after the fall you know and again god doesn't react we got to state that plainly clearly god never reacts he sovereignly does things and if it looks like he changes his mind on something it's only because he's demonstrating or teaching something and so um there there's a there's a gracious sovereign act of god at some point in human history where he decided i'm not going to let men live as long as i've let them live right um and you know so methuselah and there's one guy that's actually older than methuselah he died older than methuselah i can't remember his name i can't um it escapes me but it's in a list of genealogy but anyway at some point god just decided this is it um and you know ever since then you know i guess the average age or lifespan has ebbed and flowed Mm -hmm. but yeah, there, I guess my answer would just be there's there's a there's a sovereign act of God in there that changed that. Yeah, we see uh, we see. I don't, I don't think that 120 years is like a hard and fast like exactly no, 120 no, years you drop no, no, dead. No, look, we have uh, you know verification at least in modern history of like a French woman living to 122 yeah. or so but like once you get that old it's pretty easy to die <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> uh but you look at um 
I found this at reasons.org and they were talking about how uh, in Genesis 11, you see kind of the result of God saying, I'm not going to put up with people, you know, as long as I have, uh, where you see a gradual declination of, you know, it's not quite as long, not quite as long for the next generation, not quite as long. And then you get to Abraham and it's, and it's really not nearly as long, uh, cause Noah lived what, like 500 years or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, but yeah, I, I mean, it, there's, I don't, and I don't know this to be true. I haven't really researched this, but if there's something to do with in that span of time between Adam and the fall and mm-hmm. Abraham, if there was, uh, you know, God's allowing people to live longer just for the sake of procreation. I don't know. Sure, I mean, populating the earth. Uh, you know, you who think knows? you'd I don't run think... out of things to do after a couple hundred years? Seriously, I mean. <laughs> Like I'm in my mid thirties and I'm already pretty gosh darn bored. Like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I need to go take on a pharaoh or something. Any pharaohs out there who are ready to brawl right here? <laughs> He's all ketoed up and everything. Let's do a friend it. of mine. A friend of mine showed me this morning on Instagram this little video of a guy who's 102 playing golf and he had a really good swing to be that old. I mean, took it back further than some 50 year olds I know. Oh, wow. But, uh, it's, he hits his drive and he slams his glove on the ground and throws it down the fairway. And I'm like, that is going to be me. If I live that long. That is absolutely going to be me. It's, uh, it's like that, that really old guy that was in our church softball league a few years ago. Do you remember him at all? Yeah, he's like 80 years old. He's like 84. And he would, he, he played catcher cause he didn't have a ton of mobility. So, so even playing catcher he, with slow pitch, he would wear a, a catcher's mask just in case. Mm-hmm. But I remember a couple times he actually got a couple knocks off of. He us. did, man. And people would be he like, play. he'd be, they'd be like, "You want a runner?" And he'd just turn around and like wave them off and just turn right back around. It's like that dude is my hero. For real. <laughs> <laughs> what a boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, third and actually final question. Uh, for this week's Inquisition, uh, Brian Morris, as is tradition, uh, asks in at least two of Paul's letters, he cites First Timothy and First Thessalonians. Paul gives his recipients a charge to seek to live a quiet life and mind their own business. How does this fit within the cultural pressure to speak up about every injustice? It does not. Hey, oh. Um, Great question, Brian. I think about, you know, verses like not many of you should be teachers. Exactly. Well, maybe not many of us should speak out. Is that is that fair to ask? Uh, I know it really doesn't fit with the culture right now, but not everybody needs a bullhorn. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I I I think uh, I think my Facebook feed would be much more enjoyable if people adhered to that guidance Uh, personally. Um, you know, that, that's of course not to say that, uh, you know, if you've, if you've suffered at the hand of somebody else that you should stay quiet. Like, no, 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 like no. If, if no. someone else is bring charges, like absolutely. Or something, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like at the airport, if someone you don't know tries to give you a package to take on your plane, I, I was just at the airport a couple of days ago. And so this voice I heard, you know, every 10 minutes. Please tell TSA security, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, if you see something, say something. But um, in, in the midst of, uh, of things like, uh, let's, let's, you know, back up from the, uh, uh, from the, the, the racial distress that we have going on. And, and just take a look at, at the, the COVID-19 uh, rhetoric where everybody, regardless of, of medical uh, or uh, virology training or experience or, or even knowledge, uh, everyone has their own opinion on whether or not you should wear a face mask. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I saw a meme the other day, and it was like, you know, forget about, uh, forget about what, uh, what tens of thousands of, of learned doctors, physicians, immunologists, immunologists, whatever, uh, and et cetera have had to say. And uh, listen to your buddy Chuck from high school who can pound a six-pack of Natty Light in three minutes. I'm sure he knows exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. Which um, is impressive. <laughs> I, it is. 
It is, and it's all I, right. Uh, in my own, in 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 my day, I was able to to do that with a, with a six pack of Keystone <laughs> Tall Boys. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, that, we're not going back there. Uh, but you know, that's that's the thing is uh, is if everybody opens up and gives their own opinion, there will be more misinformation than actual information. And there will be more misguidance than actual guidance. And, you know, that's, that's not to say that we should be necessarily trusting of, of every single uh, authority or, or, or turn blind eyes to tyranny or, or whatever. Uh, but not... <laughs> Not everyone knows what they're talking about, Cody. Like, and uh, you really? know, and, and you but, but they act like, but they act like they do. And, you know, I think, uh, so, I think yeah. a lot of this, I think a lot of this stems from that late '80s, early '90s self-esteem push, which is still really going on, mm-hmm. just under mm-hmm. different names of, of you're special. You know, you you know you're super cool and you should feel good about yourself uh but at the same time we haven't learned how to think and i think Mm. part of that is because polite conversation has said you know or or rather uh manners have said for so long don't uh talk about politics and religion and discussions Mm -hmm. which i think has really hampered our ability to have conversations about those things where where there's a right way and a wrong way to do those usually the wrong way involves people yelling at each other and maybe punching each other and (laughs) (laughs) you know breaking into people's houses and stuff like that uh where we should be able uh, to whether it's on Facebook and I'm not saying that you should go do this on Facebook. It's not everybody should, but we should be able to, if it comes up, we should be able to have a rational, well-rounded discussion on this. Right? Like, I, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I, th- I think there, there's a, there's a, there's a tension for me in yeah. like Isaiah chapter one, where it talks about, uh, I was just looking it up. Um, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Now the God is speaking through the prophet to Israel when he right. says that. So Israel, think of Israel as the people of God or mm-hmm. in the new Testament context, the church. Yep. So if, if we're going to, we can't, I, I won't brain fart about Israel this week. Right. We can't. We can't broaden. We can't. We can't broaden that instruction biblically beyond the church. Right. Right. As New Testament Christians, we can't say that 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 is a call for the church to be the primary advocates of social justice broadly or generally. Mm-hmm. That's and and that's where you know the New Testament. Paul comes along and says, you know peaceable, quiet lives, pray for our leaders so that we can lead those kinds of lives. He never advocates for the church to um, offensively go after the systems, mm-hmm. right? It's just the, the, the New Testament advocates for the church to function well within itself as kingdom citizens and be salt and light in the world. But the world is going to continue to act and behave like the world. And that doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. you know, we ignore injustice. This is where the tension is for me. We shouldn't ignore, we shouldn't ignore injustice, whether it's racial or whatever, um, and we, we, but I don't think that the church is called to jump up on its platform and, and stump and, and speak against everything. I mean, um, there's so much of that going on right now and there's so much pressure. If you had, to if, happen, if we had, if say for your sermons, if you had to speak out on every single public thing, yeah. that would be all you talked about. Right. Yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, that's not to say that we can't seek to influence our government. You know, we do have the right to uh, petition. We mm. have the right to a redress of grievances and all that stuff. And, and I've, I've done some of that, but, but what you want to do is make sure that you're actually calm when you're doing that. Sure. And you can't confuse kingdom agenda. Yes, absolutely. With our Absolutely. with our privileges, rights, and responsibilities as American cind- citizens, right. you can't confuse the two. One informs the other, mm-hmm. but they're they're you know like I I got a text today 
from somebody asking if we could sing God Bless America on Sunday. Mm. And I said, nope. no, uh, we can pray for our nation. Yep. Could be a great opportunity to pray for our nation. But singing God Bless America, I think, confuses because the, yeah. think of the climax of that song. God bless America, my home, sweet home. That's not, yeah. That's yeah. not a yeah. gospel statement at all. In fact, it's the opposite. America is not my home. My ultimate citizenship is not in America. And the I am but a stranger it, here. Heaven is my home. Yeah. And the cultural problems, you know, are not. They're not the primary mission of the church. The primary mission of the church is to preach the gospel so that people who, yes, might be racially oppressed in this life, which is hard, bad, awful, evil, but that's not the worst thing that could happen to them. The worst thing that could happen to them is that they die and go to hell. Yep. You know, um, and so our, our job is to is to preach the gospel and love our neighbors ourselves. And I think, you know. Just feeling, you know, try, trying to trying to co-opt scriptures and make them a basis upon which you put pressure on pastors, churches, and Christians in general to speak up on every issue, I think is a dangerous thing. But if if you feel the need, if you feel compelled to say something, then that would be a good thing to do, but it's a voluntary good thing to do. You yes. can't say that you have to go do this thing. Ho hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll already have a blog out about this because there's a lot of that going on. Mm. You have to do this when God hasn't said that you have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Good, good. Fun I guess episode that's our today, show. Yeah, I suppose so. There were only three. Yeah, well, f four, but then I made one of them the topic. So, yeah. You know. Well, tune in next week while John faces off uh, to the death with Ramesses the Seventh, and, uh, <laughs> and hopefully goes down in history as the oldest man uh, in modern times. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I just really wanted to say Ramesses. Such a who cool knows, John? No with this keto Ramesses diet, you anymore. might live to be 130. Yeah, I might. Or I'll die with a stick of butter stuck in my heart at 43. You know, we'll, 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 we'll see. There, there we'll are see. worse ways to go. <laughs> on my, you know, uh, on my on my tombstone, my epitaph: John, Land of Lakes, Ross. <laughs> we we actually had. I used to work at a at a seafood restaurant in college, and uh, we had this lady who who would order a a full peck of oysters, and and she she always got instead of like the cocktail sauce or horse radish whatever it was it was butter with extra butter so yeah if, if a server came in and said lando lakes lady we knew exactly who uh, they were talking about man. every time yeah you know Butter's i uh, i will say i don't like the mignonette uh, sauce for oysters i do prefer the cocktail sauce or the garlic butter so you know i'm 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 with uh helen her name was helen yeah wasn't it Probably. Mm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm with Helen on this. <laughs> I, I don't know that she was a Karen, so we'll just say Helen. That's okay. Yeah. All right. Follow us, comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, and leave a five star review. And you support the show at anchor.fm. If you uh, pledge to donate $10 a month for a year, you get free stuff. And make sure you email me when you do that. I still don't have a sign offline. I'm a bum. I apologize. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.